Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. The problem with this loss is we did deserve the hype. The only reason why people say, or were saying that we, we, uh, they didn't understand how we were getting hype in the first place is only one reason that we're Texas Tech. So losing this game, it was a logo. And so losing this game just proved all the naysayers right. It just proved that, yeah, we don't care that they won eight games last year, that they, uh, everyone came back, and this, that, and the other. They don't have talent because they're Texas Tech. No other reason. And so that's why this loss hurts more than anything else. Cheryl Smith writing and rewriting history. First ever national title for Texas Tech. Jonathan Garibay. The boot is away. And it's gone. Welcome on, welcome all to the Tortillas and Takes podcast. You are on once again with your boy, I'll be sure. And I had a lot of energy opening up that episode or this episode but uh, uh we're still we're still in mourning we're still in mourning uh because the unpredictable happened when i say unpredictable i mean that like no texas tech fan could have predicted the opening of the season that we just had so to talk about texas tech's loss in larry my wyoming i had to bring on uh the people champ himself jeremy Gillen. The reason that we have even the slightest bit of energy today is because we've waited an adequate amount of time we even pushed it again to give ourselves that 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 respectful time because you know what happened on Saturday, uh, boy. <laughs> so it's uh it's an interesting way to start the season, and I guess we can just really kind of do a uh, what's it called post post mortem when they like open the bodies and, and stuff. Yeah, a nice so. little re- retrospective. You know, a nice little yeah, you, well, know. you know, a healthy retrospective, <laughs> totally not blown out of the proportion. We're not going to say anything crazy, but we are going to give the facts. And we'll let you come to the conclusions that we, we're we at. Yeah, I mean, like this loss was, it was rough. And I know we're usually the, the very much the even keel pod and we're kind of giving it to you. But this, like, make no bones about it. This was a rough loss and not a normal loss. So before we get into, you know, all the feelings of the loss, let's talk about the game itself, right? So Texas Tech in Wyoming. They actually showed up on Thursday to get themselves adjusted to the uh, 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 to the altitude a little bit. They actually apparently they spent some time in Fort Collins, Colorado, which is a little bit of like a, that altitude. You're trying to adjust as much as you can, so it's like halfway there when it comes to the altitude you're going to have in Laramie, and then eventually showing up in Wyoming there. Uh, and so uh, they, they get there, they're all pumped up, ready to go. And Jeremy, back to back, like the the game couldn't have opened up any faster, any easier for Texas Tech. Two series, two three and outs, two touchdowns. Shuck looked fantastic. The O-line looked fantastic. The front seven, front six and a half, I like to call it, was getting after it. Um, the, the game opened up incredible. Yeah, I mean, you put Wyoming on the back foot, and this was after the ridiculously long weather delay uh, that gave me kind of echoes of 2011 Oklahoma, but like in a negative way, um, which actually came to fruition. But I was like... Dang, Wyoming's kind of 
you know, this is this is playing to their benefit. Like we are having to wait a little bit longer. We're over here in a go, kind of getting out of the off season and playing our first opponent, and they're the ones. Uh, you know, they're at home, so they're resting all this stuff. But in the first three drives, man, I mean, you put Wyoming in a position where they had more penalties and turnovers than they did first downs. So, like, I think you were you couldn't have started it any better. And I, where the watch party I was at, everybody's like fist bumping, like, hey, you know, here we go, Big 12 champs. Like, I mean, everybody, the 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 honeymoon was in full force. <laughs> you, you felt like you could do no wrong. Uh, so it was a great, excellent first three first three possessions of the game and that's and that's about it <laughs> yeah you know and it's funny and a lot of people blame me for this let me say something i'm not the only one to say it that said this but after that second touchdown i said tyler shuck had six straight perfect passes because they were not only were they just completion they were perfect on the money great timing fantastic passes and i was not the only one that said this people okay other people were tweeting this as well of how great tyler shuck looked in those first couple drives, right? Those first two, three drives. He looked fantastic. We also capped it off with a field goal. It was 17 to nothing. At this point, ESPN gave Texas Tech a 95.9% chance to win the game in the first quarter. 95.9% chance. Because that's how great we looked. We looked like a team that was going to walk into Laramie, Wyoming, beat a decent group of five team, right, in a tough environment, and looked like, like you said, Jeremy, that team that's going to really compete and contend for the bigger team. We looked like it. Everything looked fantastic, right? They got hit in the mouth. And, you know, I, I'm not going to lie to you. When you're a Texas Tech and you have the more talented players, you have the better players, you have it all, and the main thing you're worried about is environment, smacking the other team 17 nothing. That's that felt like a knockout. Early, first quarter, it felt like a knockout. It felt like Wyoming can't – I actually think I saw a tweet saying, Wyoming is not good enough to recover from this, right? Because usually in these type of upsets, you see the opposite, where the better team is smacking. Well, the numbers are there. The numbers are there with Wyoming uh, coach Bowl. He does not do well playing from behind. Like he has an abysmal record when uh, trailing in the first half. And so when I saw that at the halftime, I thought, well, you know what? It's going to be okay. (laughs) Yeah, no, absolutely. And and so it, it just felt like, Everything was great. We were, you know, we talked about take three. We had two two turnovers at that point. The first quarter was about as good as you can have it, right? And uh, it was just truly, truly incredible. Um, but then, you know, second quarter came and the offense was started to sputter. Right? The offense started to sputter a little bit. We had an interception. Tyler Shuck threw it. There's, there's a bad pass. I mean, really don't know. <clears throat> Make no barns about it. And this is where Tyler Shuck started to unravel a little bit starting in the second quarter where – some of his passes just weren't great, right? They, especially going to the sidelines. Not only did he throw that interception, he threw a couple other balls that in the first half that seemed like it could have been picked off, um, kind of throwing sideline to sideline there. And he he kind of struggled. The, the offense, like I said, was sputtering a little bit more. A couple more three and outs, a couple more punts. You make it down the field, but you're not able to get that that play going. And the play calling was questionable, right? But the defense was holding firm. Right? The defense was trying their best to make sure that they were. They were still there. There wasn't an issue. But before you know it, you go into halftime, and that's 17 nothing. that you were feeling great about. It's now only 17-10. And that's before you get into some, one of the worst end of halves I can remember. Like, I, everything was the, – the, 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 the timeout management was really weird. I, I personally thought that Joey McGuire should have called a timeout when it was uh, – right after that second down play when it looked like Wyoming was 
perfectly fine with running out the clock. We didn't. The clock gets all the way down to less than 30 seconds before the punt. Uh, so there's timeout management was weird. Uh, then we get the ball, that, that throw out on the side direct to Dre McCray. Why doesn't McCray go out of bounds? Or actually, no, it wasn't McCray, it was Brown. Why doesn't he go out of bounds? You know, stuff like that. Like, so get, timeout management was weird. Game management was kind of weird. Um, and then the, the, the whole referee thing where, one, they should have been given three seconds on the clock. They, they run yeah, it out. Yeah. And they say, no, actually, give us one second. We go out, we go out there, but we're not listening for the whistle like we should have been. So, like, a lot, I know a lot of people give it to the refs, but we snap the ball before a whistle comes out there. And so forcing our kicker to kick a field goal. He kicks a field goal, goes through, yay, but sorry, you got to bring it all back and do it again because you didn't listen for the whistle. You let, now you hear the whistle, you snap it out. It's the whole thing was 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 junky. Was, was, you know, the referee should have stopped everybody and said, hey, put a second on the clock and nobody moved, right? And, and just the whole thing was crazy. And what that leads to, a missed field goal by Gino Garcia, and that wouldn't be the last time we, we would say the phrase, missed field goal by Gino Garcia. Yeah, two for five on the evening, and um, not the not the performance. I mean, we were talking about ahead of, like, if, well, in that first one, he hits a 54. Yeah. And you think, this dude's going to crank him out like butter. And That was the toughest it, field it, goal it of the night. Like, <laughs> he made that It one. was. It was so good, and you could just feel – Wyoming, like the stadium, deflate because they're like, "There's nothing we can do to stop this Texas That's what it Tech team." Like. And then a suit, and it's what it seemed like. But then, the craziness of it all, man. I, I really like that you brought up the refereeing and like the clock management because I'm not gonna say there was like terrible calls or like like obviously it's kind of an average amount of questionable calls and maybe missed calls. Holding, yeah, average amount. Like you, there's a lot of holding that they missed. Oh, let me, whatever. You know, let me tell you something. They, they weren't calling holding for anyone. So I'm not gonna like they, we we held a few yeah. times. Why they weren't calling holding for anyone? So, so it's, I'll take it's, that it's whatever, man. Yeah, if it's even, I don't care. But like the confusion, a lot of the time of them trying to like figure out, oh, what's going on? Like, why are we at a Division One collegiate level having this issue? Why are we having an issue here? Like this is this is throwing everybody off. Texas Tech's trying to get into momentum. They finally string some things together, but then oh, it's gonna you know. And the penalties on our like the penalties that we incurred ourselves directly attributed to never being able to get it going again. Because those first couple of drives, crisp, clean, good football. After that, it seemed like we just continuously found a way to shoot ourselves in the foot. And so that compiled with the refereeing issues, compiled with like the altitude in Wyoming, compiled with everything that we had going on. It was just a it was a recipe for disaster. So you talk about penalties on the night, seven penalties for sixty nine yards. Um, and again, you know, one of the reasons why McGuire was hired was to get the adult one, right? Penalties have been during the Kingsbury tenure and a little and into the Matt Wolf tenure, penalties was commonplace for Texas Tech. And it was a problem. It was an issue. Last year, we were not a penalized team. It was great not, not being the ones always constricting. This game, a lot of penalties. And it was very much felt like the 2010s Texas Tech of whenever something could go will, can go wrong, would go wrong. Nothing was going right. Excuse me. Nothing was going right for this team. As we go into the second half, they continue. Uh, Wyoming scores a touchdown to tie it up early in the third quarter. And it's just more another missed field goal. That missed field goal... It was a combination of two things. This is when uh, Gino Garcia missed that 40-yard field goal. It was Gino Garcia, one, kicking the ball too low. But then also, 
the O-line. I mean, the, the Wyoming D-line was able to just shove him in the face, knock the boy back. And so with Gino Garcia having a low kick, thinking he had to really crank it out, that's what happens, right? So it was a comment. It wasn't just Gino's fault in that one. It was a combination of Gino and the O-line just getting bullied. Um, you know, and so but that ends up – and now you're in a dogfight. Now you're in a flat-out dogfight with the team. We're, we're, we're the brand. We're supposed to be mentally strong. We're supposed to be able to get back up. Guess what? Wyoming's also mentally strong. So what happens when you got two teams that are mentally strong? Now you're in a dogfight with the team that has all the confidence. In that second half, Wyoming had all the confidence in the world. Not they did not. I did not see a team that was worried or scared about playing this Power Five conference team, a team that was supposed to be, you know, 26th ranked in the AP two poll, 24th ranked in the, in the coach poll. They they weren't scared in the second half. First half you kind of saw. It. Second half, no, they knew. They knew this is a team. Whether we win or not, we don't know. But this is a team we know we can beat. And you saw it. You saw it right there all along the second half. And once again, the running game is not going. And this is really in the second half where you're saying, say, what the hell is going on with our offensive play call? What the hell is going on with our offense? They went. Our offense goes almost three quarters, all the way up until the, the, the field goal with three minutes to go, without scoring a single point. It just can't happen. It just can't happen. Criticism needs to be high on Coach Kitley, uh, appropriately so, because we have what was admittedly, we have a really deep offense, right? We've got maybe not all these superstars. We have Duran Bradley and our boy Loic getting out there, making some catches. Happy to see that. Um, but we have good athletes across the board. We got people coming in like, hey, this could be, you know, the Austin P guy. Hey, this could be top receiver this year in the Big 12. Like there was a lot of talk around this offensive squad being very deep and talented and you didn't see that. Like you didn't see that at all. And it, it felt like these are guys who had not played together before. It felt like the play calling was just generally uninspired. And I get a piece of that of and, and Kitley talked about it that he needed he needed to in this game have more aggressive play calling. The thing for me is man, like why is that not your mentality from the get-go? Uh, and I understand, like, the big asterisk here is, like, hey, we don't want to give up too much of our playbook because Oregon's next week. But Oregon c- could seem to care less. They hung 81 <laughs> points on their opponent. They're like, I don't care if you know what we're doing. And that really, honestly, should be the mentality of this squad. Because if this is your deepest Texas Tech squad you've had in some time, you should feel confident enough that if, like, hey, I'm going to throw the slant here, it's going to work. I don't care if you know it's coming kind of deal, you know, but I feel like Kidley just kind of dialed it back. And at that point where he was started realizing, Hey, we need to take more shots downfield. It was too little too late because Wyoming had gotten the energy. Wyoming had a buzz. The stadium was back into it. And then you were fighting a battle. You should have never been fighting. You should have put the, kept the foot on the gas and there's a lot more to it. But I think that going into this next game, Kitley has got to have a completely different mindset and to utilize his, the weapons that he has, man. Like, complete, give me the different playbook. Just do something. Th- what you had, throw it out. We're starting over. So two things I want to say to, to kind of respond to what you just said there. Uh, one, actually, great point that I hadn't thought of, of him saving the playbook for, right? We actually mentioned it in the, in the preview as far as thinking that he wouldn't necessarily do the whole playbook because he had Oregon coming up, this, that, and the other, and not any potential looking ahead. And we always talked about focusing on Oregon, focusing on Oregon. And I know the coaches have to send out to the players, but to your point, it seemed like he, they weren't following him, especially on Kelly's side of pay attention, focusing on Oregon, because that's a great point that it did seem like 
they were saving some things for the Oregon game. But once you're in a dogfight, you got to win the game. You got to, like, forget Oregon. Win this game here today, right? Because we can, if we beat Wyoming, no matter what happens against Oregon, we at least have a win under our books. We have, okay, knock this up. We have this under here, right? No matter what happens against Oregon. You got to win today's game. And we did not utilize the middle of the field, which is Shuck's strength, I would argue. Right? Shuck's strength has always been, you know, yes. between the hashes. Utilize the middle of the field. Where are our tight ends, man? This Oh, Mason Tharp was yeah, – there was no pass to Mason Tharp. There was, and let me tell you something. You know who was utilizing the middle of the free field? Wyoming. Yes. You know who was utilizing the middle of the field? Andrew Peasley. Right? They utilized the middle of that field to, to a T. And so all of a sudden it's – we were a great point as far as – Saying we're not just for some reason we're restricting the playbook because of Oregon. Screw Oregon. Win the game. You know? And so there's that. I will say depth. You talked about depth also. Um, I don't think this team has it. It doesn't feel like it. Watching Wyoming, the the game against Wyoming, right? When I say I don't think this team has any, we did not sub very often. Offensively or defensively. We did not That's make true. that many subs. There were a lot of times defensively, oh. but Wyoming would come in, they'd have a full package come out. Nobody left from the defensive side of the ball. And so you got a high altitude place, a game where you really would like to use a lot of your players, and not a lot of subs. And that tells me that coaching staff doesn't wow. seem to have a lot of confidence in the, the, the second string, the third string. They don't seem to have a lot. And then we're forced, J.J. Rodriguez gets an injury right after he forces and recovers a fumble in the first quarter. Um, and you're, you're forced to play Tyreek Matthews a lot more than you probably were expecting, right? And so, like, and it, it really concerns me now, and I'm looking at it, the O-line, not a lot of substitutions there, right? Not a lot of backups on the receiving side. Not a lot of subs in general, which kind of, in, in a game like this, you're expecting to see that rotate. And especially as we trailed off in the, in the second half and in the overtime, it, it's, it does tell me, man, I don't, I don't think this team has a lot of depth. I'm so confident in our, in our, front, our, our 22. Right? In our 22, our 11 on offense, 11 on defense, I think we're very talented. But the depth, I, not only do I not think it's there, I don't think the coaching staff is because they didn't show it. They didn't see it. There wasn't a time when you said, okay, well, Steve Linton, you're going to come off because we're going to put Joseph on the diet um, at a D-rate. They, they didn't, that didn't happen. I don't even think I saw a D-rate play. I saw a lot of Linton. I didn't see a lot of D-rate play. So, like, that is telling me that you don't have a lot of confidence, especially in the second half. They're sucking wind. You know, it's especially in the second half. You don't have a lot of confidence in the backup. The depth just simply was not there. So it's it's uh yeah. Man, I wonder if you know we talk about it seemed like a really good decision, coaching decision to go up early and kind of acclimate to the altitude. But I think that's like that became one half of the puzzle because if you're not, you know, you have an opportunity to sub, and if you're not making those, I didn't even notice that. I mean, that's really good. That's a really good point, Albie. Uh, if you're not subbing, you're not giving your guys the opportunity, right? You're not. You're not even. You're not even trying to like in game mitigate the issue of the altitude. You're just like, oh, we were. We've been here for a day. We'll be okay. And yeah, we were absolutely sucking wind in the second half and just not crisp ball. So I, I wonder. You know, you're going to have to learn a lot from this as the head coaching staff, you know, as it goes. And I know McGuire had his presser where, you know, McGuire does a really good job at not lashing out ever, right? And he kind of joked about that as like, I'm not going to say anybody's wrong on social media, uh, but I'm not going to post anything on social media because I'm thinking the same things too. (laughs) Um, 
I wonder to what effect, right? Because this is this so the honeymoon is over. Like yeah, yeah. you're done. No. This this hey, whole let me tell you something. I'm honeymoon sorry. is gone. <laughs> we gone. This we back and we was, back to the work week. Yeah, no, this game definitely proved that the honeymoon with Joey McGuire is <laughs> and something that has bothered me, man, is that I read this quote from Peasley. It says that um well, before you get to that quote, because I, I know it, I, cause I, was, yeah. I have it up here too. Before you get to that quote, I will. I, I do want to finish up the game recap here. Um, you know, yeah, we do, yeah, we do. We did miss another field goal um, late or in the fourth quarter. Gino Garcia missing, a, a doinking a field goal off there. He D- dropped the, the ball big back. Doinker, yeah. He finally made one, which I'm not gonna lie to you. If it was me, I, I would have given up. At fourth and five, I thought we should have got one for it and tried to win the game. Yeah, absolutely. Just, at that point, I, I personally had zero confidence in Gino Garcia. At that but he does kick the field goal to tie the game up. Uh, we go to overtime. And in that overtime, the defense, which and we'll talk about a little bit, I thought actually had played pretty well up to that point. Um, at, at this point, that first overtime lets up a touchdown. Offense comes back, scores. We score another touchdown but have an awful, awful two-point conversion play that ends up with no points. And on a fourth and seven, uh, Andrew Peasley, who just killed us. Uh, you reminded me a lot of um, – uh, uh, Duggan last year, Max Duggan, yeah, yep, and how and how they were able to win that game. Andrew Peasley, great pass on fourteen-seven, um, right in right when he's about to get drilled, just uh, yeah, fires a strike. Oh, well, good defensive call, good defensive even call. better offensive. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I didn't have a problem with the call. I know a lot of people did. Why are you sending your boy? No, a lot I, of people did. I, I, I had no problem with the call either. Um, just, you, you had know. him dead to rights. Yeah, it just he he out he outflanked you, beat you, and then they had him much better. Two point conversion call <laughs> to to win the game. Yeah. So so go ahead. I just want to make sure to wrap up that 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 recap there. But, but tell tell everybody the quote that I'm sure that you're about to. Man, I like that Max Duggan reference too because I made it during the game because this is a guy who I thought was concussed three times over and he just kept going. Um, and actually, he had a quote about that, that too, was, saying, "That was targeting, I always that say that was, was targeting." By the way, <laughs> I don't, I don't a thousand percent. Yeah, he lowered his head, know. launched. Josiah Pierre I mean, shouldn't, have, shouldn't have been in the game. That was targeting. It's textbook. Uh, but anyways, you know, I say I'm always hurt, not injured, so I can still play. It's kind of my motto. This guy is nuts, right? Well, he also said, and this shakes me to my core, because this was last year to a T for Joey McGuire. He said, for this game, it's just take him to the deep end of the pool, and they're going to fold. And I was like, dude, I was like, wow. It's the Wyoming 60 minutes of us. Oh my they just, god! They yeah. confiscated. I was when he said that. I was like, man, Joe. First of all, Joe McGuire is so pissed he's looking at himself. And then <laughs> two, but it was very, <laughs> it was very much something that he would say. Like it was like, man, this is something yeah. last year that would have been said about Texas, about Oklahoma, about Houston, about anybody. He was said about Texas. <sighs> sucked. Yep, that. we got it. We got it right back in our face. Yep. Yeah, no. And, and kid was good, man. That I don't kid think he was, was good. Yeah, no, Peasley. Oh man, Peasley. He won them the game, in my opinion. Um, but he had that, you know, he had that, and we talked about it in the preview. Like he would be the guy. He'd be the guy that you have to watch yeah. out for. And to your point, he should not have been playing. <laughs> he looked good no, a few golly, times. No, <laughs> yeah, but he went out there and balled out, you know. And so um, we we got yeah we got out Max Duggan um, in this game. So I do want to talk about a couple places here. As we kind of talk about the recap the game, where a lot of people are um, either not giving credit or, or whatever. So there was some some pieces of on defense, right? So people some people complain about the defense. 
I did a rewatch of the game. I don't have too much problems with Tim DeRuiter, his play calling, how the defense played. I thought the secondary played really, really well. Um, the front six and a half, I call six and a half because CJ Baskerville, the star position, uh, kind of plays both front seven, or plays both in the front and still is technically part of the secondary. I call the front six and a half. But um, that D line, it did get pushed back a little bit. The law firm didn't have a great game. But it was very much, they were able to at least hold serve. I mean, I predicted Wyoming was going to score 20 points. I think my preview prediction was 42 to 20. So them scoring 20 in regulation does not shock me. I mean, that's, that's pretty to the T of what I expected. Um, but the D-line did get moved around a little bit. The front six and a half definitely got moved around a little bit. I mean, the only critique I really have on DeRuiter's play calling is with Peasley moving around and running around, I just wish we had a spy sometimes. Um, mm-hmm. Right? Um, and I think sometimes that spy was abandoned for the blitz. Which I get it. Drew likes the blitz, and I, I'm a fan of the blitz, so so I'm not gonna talk about it too much. But I didn't have to on the rewatch anyway. Did not have as much of a problem with the defense as some of the people that that, that had it during the game. Um, the only critique I would say would just be the D line getting pushed around uh, at times, especially in the uh, uh, in the run game. Uh, but then, or not, not even the run game. I'm saying the passing game. That's why we had to set uh, But overall, I thought the defense played at. The only times I really like go was easy. Yeah, you, 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 I mean, you kept them in the regular, uh, in a regulation, you keep them to two touchdowns. That's a pretty good win. I mean, you're playing a team at their house, you keep them to two tutties, you're doing a pretty good job. I mean, for the, for the, I mean, the metrics across the board, you are beating Wyoming pretty much across the board. And so I have no problem with the defense. I think, I think if you told, if you told the defense that, hey, you're only going to let up 20 points, I think. Both of you go. That's a duck. Every game. You score. You score one more touchdown. You score a field goal, and you win this game in regulation, twenty to seventeen or twenty-four. Or, whatever it but is. here's the thing. Here's the thing, though. Mm. We don't get that Miles Cole hands to the face. Braylon once gets that interception. Gets the interception. Penalties, right? Penalties. Probably game. But then people are saying, but then the narrative becomes, dang, we held Wyoming to only seventeen points, um, versus like. Man, this Wyoming I mean, is crap. You know, when you get into the retrospective mode and you see it's 35 33, you think, oh, Texas Tech giving up all the, you know, Texas Tech giving all this up, blah, blah. Okay. They got they got nearly the same amount of points in overtime if they did the whole game. <laughs> and, yeah. and they're starting yeah. within 20 yards of the end zone each time. So, like, I think that you people are being too critical on the defense. Um, I would have liked to see a spy. I agree. I think with any mobile quarterback, a spy has just got to be in your repertoire, right? You have to punish them. For getting out, and because Peasley's going to do it with his legs, and he did it. You know, he nearly well, ran for 100 here's, yards on his own. The crazy thing about Peasley, also, I'm going to give him a lot of credit, is that like when we did call the blitz, and the blitz got there, that boy threw a strike yeah. each time in the face of pressure. Yeah, he was ready. <laughs> he was ready. He was ready. I, I will give a shout out to. Uh, I don't think we're going to do players of the game this, this episode because uh, nobody. Really I don't did think it. so. Except for one person, Josiah Pierre, come to the front. He balled. Josiah Pierre had a fantastic game, led the team in tackles. Um, even though, you know, if I was a Wyoming fan, I'd be like, he should have been, he should have been playing after the second quarter. But <laughs> he had a great game. And you're not wrong. <laughs> yeah. But he had a great game. Josiah Pierre did have a fantastic game. So I do, I do want to give him his power. Uh, so that's defense. Uh, so now let's get to the other side of the ball. Offense. <laughs> offense, offense, offense. So um, I will say this. In, in the when I, in real time, I thought the O-line didn't play well. Doing the rewatch, yeah. O-line was, was decent. 
O-line was decent. Uh, Wyoming, similar to Tim Gouda, would, would bring some pressure. Um, I thought Shuck did a good job of, of handling and, and calling out where the protection was going to be, sliding protection over, making sure to call any of the blitzing linebackers. And I thought for the most part, protection actually was able to do a really good job of picking up everybody. Um, there was a little bit of pressure that you that Shuck was, was obviously feeling at times, but I think O-line was admirable, right? Like, there were times last year where if the O-line had played as good as they played on Saturday, we would have won some games later to lose. So I think the O-line played admirable um, there in that aspect. Um, skill position guys, or actually no, receivers. Let me get to receivers first. Some drops, right? Bradley had a couple drops. That one drop over there on the three-yard line, that was huge. Uh, and, and, and the announcers, first of all, I don't want to be on CBS. Um, no, that was I, terrible. That was terrible. The announcers saying that, oh, why don't you take – you know, that's the problem is, is if you're trying to go for the big one, well, you should have just taken the chuck down. It was, it was a drop. <laughs> he made the right decision. That was a drop. But anyways, um, Bradley had a drop. Fungi had a uh, – Bradley had a couple drops. Fungi had a couple drops. So, I think the receivers could have been definitely been better. Um, run game was atrocious. I mean, there's really no way around that. Run game was, was, was absolutely terrible. Whether you want to give credit to Wyoming, whether you want to give – talk about the O-line not opening the polls. Um, I my biggest complaint is is that we should have tried to pressure it a little bit more and do a little bit more on that. Only fifteen or was seventeen run calls uh, called in general. Um, that's not going to do it. Having the, the the ball ran seventeen times in a full football game. That's not where you have Todd Brooks and Cameron Valdez. Uh, you're gonna have to establish something. Um, but uh, what's what's your thought of before we get to the quarterback? What is your thought on the offense? Uninspired. <laughs> no, I think you know it, it kind of goes back to this offensive play calling that I don't understand it was hard to see what we were trying to do right because it felt like we had a very cohesive game plan at the beginning and then it all kind of fell apart and then it was like I don't understand why we're making some of these calls in these down situations like I don't understand we got this many yards to go why are we calling this short why are we calling a short pass here you know it was very hard to follow and I think that the guys really kind of allowed the pressure of the game to get to them Right, they weren't having fun. Nobody was having fun anymore. It was, how am I going to single-handedly solve this problem? It became a very me, myself, and I. And when you get in that situation as an athlete, when it's like, I mean, some people are them, and that that's like, an MJ mindset. Like, just give me the ball, I'm gonna go win. Um, some people do crumple under that pressure, and I think that the athletes we have now need a little less of that kind of pressure on their back, and so. Yeah, you got you got big drops by Bradley, uh, big drops by uh, Fungi, and then uh, drops across the board really that that sh- that would feel like they'd be easier catches. Um, the run game, I don't know, man. I said that Taj Brooks needed to have a really big night, and he got you know 39 yards on 11 carries. Which you know, to be fair, if you're averaging over three yards a carry, that's enough to get a first down. The problem is, is that we needed more from that so that Wyoming would respect the run game because they knew that we weren't going to continue to run it down their throats. We were going to run it maybe once, maybe twice, and then we'd pass. And so they didn't have to worry about us running it again. And so that really frustrated me. And maybe it's on the running backs. Maybe it's on the offensive line. Maybe it's on their defensive line. I don't know. But it was really uninspired, and it really was like, it was not aggressive and we needed it to be a lot more aggressive. And some of those, you know, some of those drops, they happen, man. Like it's not a big deal, but you can't be scared to go back to it. Right. You'd have that long ball to Bradley and be like, you know what? I'm not going to throw the deep ball for like the next 40 plays. I'm like, God, would you please just try again? Like give these guys a chance to make up for it. Um, so yeah, I think that this offense is just echoes of what it could really be. I, 
it just it we're gonna have to look a lot different in the Oregon game to to stand a chance. So I know that these guys came back with a kind of a they they at least from what I understand kind of shaking it off by now and they're looking ahead. Um, but yeah, it's just gonna have to be a whole different kind of ball. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Well, Jeremy, time to get to... Uh, <clears throat> time to get to the person everybody's with. <laughs> Somebody has to take the blame, right? Somebody has to take the blame. And the person that everyone is blaming, you know, this position, it comes with the territory of the position. Uh, you know, usually the blame goes to one of two people whenever an embarrassing loss happens like this. Usually it goes to the head coach, which everybody's still, well, the honeymoon is over. Everyone still loves Joey McGuire. So, therefore, the blame is going to go to Tyler Shaw. And so that is where the blame for this loss has primarily gone to. When it comes to criticism, I've seen his name come up more than anybody else. And guess what, Jeremy? We're not even one game into the season, and everyone's already calling for the everyone's favorite player on any football team, the backup quarterback. So uh, Tyler Shucks, let's talk about Tyler Shucks playing this game, uh, which wasn't good. <laughs> I just flat out. After those six uh, perfect passes that I talked about, I don't think he had a single perfect pass for the rest of the game. Um, you know, it, it definitely got to him. He had a lot of turnover-worthy plays. I, um <clears throat> uh, stats of war, uh, Preston, I think he had a, like six turnover where he plays. I think was what, what the data showed. Um, he did throw that interception. It, it, it just wasn't great. It was not a good game at all from, from Tyler Shuck past that first quarter. And, uh, you know, so a lot, of, a lot of people are calling for his head, saying he's just not good enough. Uh, one thing I did notice, not just in watching the game, but also in the rewatch, was is that, again, he's had shoulder surgery, soldier injuries, and he doesn't have a lot of velocity on his throws, especially sideline to sideline. Right. Those balls, his great touch, and I still believe it. He has fantastic, not even believe that. I mean, we saw it still, even in the second half. He has a great touch on his passes, yeah, but he's not going to throw too many just strikes, just beeline strikes, right? Um, and so with that, whenever you're trying to throw sideline to sideline, those are going to be interceptable balls. And it happened a couple times. It almost happened a couple times um, in this game that in the Big 12, those are going to be picks, maybe even some pick sixes, right? And so – it's, it's going to be – I think this is where a piece of you got to know your player when it comes to Zach Kittley. But Tyler Shuck's got to play better, just point blank. Got to play better. If, you're, if your shoulder is the reason why you don't have a lot of velocity, a lot of zing on your throws, let it be known. Let it – let choose some – you know, figure out some plays that do work a little bit better, right? But it's um, – the, the, the game wasn't great on Tyler Shuck's side. However, in my opinion, he wasn't the reason we lost this game. He still had 30 completed passes in this game. I think we – Again, should have been a lot more aggressive on offense. There's a lot of plays we could have done. And in overtime, all those QB rushes, what the hell? Let, like, let's <laughs> Again, he has a lot of soldier injuries. Let's not commit another one. But no, I'm not calling for his head uh, just yet because he, you know, he, in my opinion, he's not why we lost this game. Um, I think I have him third on my list of reasons. Or fourth, actually, on my list of reasons we lost this game. And he's not. Yeah, I, <clears throat> when you're throwing for – 338 yards and you got three touchdowns and one interception whether it was six turnover worthy plays or not yes that's something he can definitely grow in and get better at um but that kind of 
branches out, right? It's like, okay, well, what was the call? Um, who's the primary receiver on that call? Was it a good, was he, you know, there's a lot of variables to it, but the data, like the actual hard numbers that we have, 338 yards, three touchdowns, one interception, you know, he's completing 31 passes. That's good enough to win you a game. If you're stringing together the right place. <laughs> um, and so, man. His QBR landed him ahead of Quinn Ewers, right in the middle of the conference of, as far as Big 12 quarterbacks. Uh, like Quinn Ewers, Quinn Ewers did not have a great game, but his team blew out Rice. Well, because they were playing Rice. And because of you know, there's a lot of variables. And so for me, people already calling for Morton off of this delusional, and it is truly delusional perception that his game against Oklahoma State is like, oh God, like he's going to be everything for the, he's going to take us to the, he's it man he is him and i'm not saying his oklahoma state performance wasn't good i'm saying let's not ignore the fact that oklahoma state didn't know who was going to start for real so they didn't know who to prepare for so it kind of caught lightning in a bottle um and that yet whenever morton you know halfway or kind of towards the end of that game has a small ankle injury um tweaks it you know more than injury i think makes it sound too harsh and Oklahoma State kind of gets to adjust, the script, the script flips. Then it's like, doesn't matter. You know, he's just another quarterback, and Oklahoma State played him well after the fact that they got some, you know, yeah, well, got to, got through the halftime and got to adjust. I do think I do think with Morton, like I said, I mentioned it before, I think he's the best backup quarterback in the conference. Um, so I do think, I have, I have drinking the Morton Kool-Aid a bit, but I, I will say, if you bench Shuck, you got to be damn sure that's the quarterback. Like, Morton's the guy, right? Like, it's... I'm yeah, not a fan of go back. going back and forth and back and forth. I've mentioned this many times in this podcast. Like, I, I'm not a fan of that. You're going to bench Shuck. you got to know that, okay, Shuck, this is – I'm sorry. You're done. This is Morton's team. Not, oh, well, Morton can play against Oregon. Oh, but if he looks bad against Oregon, we'll have Shuck come back and play. Like, we're not doing that, right? And so you have Shuck goes yeah. out there. If yeah. Shuck goes out there next week against Oregon and just looks terrible and Morton comes in and balls out, cool. I'm okay with making that change, but it's not – if you have two quarterbacks, you have no quarterbacks. Make like if you're going to bench Shuck, bench Shuck. They had an open quarterback competition this offseason, an open one, and the guy who we expected to win won, Tyler Shuck. Right? Unless you kind of think that we all know more than than uh, McGuire and Kitley and all those other people. Unless you're all of the geniuses out here, let's wait and, and let if if Morton's the guy, he'll come out and be the guy eventually. Um, but I'm just not a, a fan of going back and forth and back and forth until, you know, it's, it's concrete. I do see that this Oregon game is really going to solidify, okay, is Chuck just practice ready and not going to be game efficient? Or was the Wyoming game just a fluke and just kind of crazy? Because even Chuck in the in seen, post-game, just like, hey. We've also seen Chuck ball, too. It's not like so we just never see yeah. Chuck. It's not like he's Tebow with the Broncos, or, you know, or something. But we've seen him absolutely ball. In the last two games against Oklahoma and against Ole Miss, he was incredible. So, like, we've seen it yeah. happen, right? Yeah. You have a, you let him have a bad game, and all of a sudden people are like, yep, this is not the yeah. guy. I'm like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this ain't him. Just, just move on to the next guy. And then what happens when Morton's bad, right? How far are you willing to go down in the depth chart to find what you're looking for? It's not just on the quarterback. It's it's a whole – Well, Hammond just threw for 700 yards, so he can, he can just pick him up from high school. And lost, so and lost. So it's like I don't, I don't care how many yards you're throwing for. PC's out here threw for he threw for 149 and he won the game. 
So, like, come on, man. 149 yards can win you a game. So people just need to take their foot. I mean, just, just back off. Like, back off. This team is a cohesive unit. They had an incohesive night. It happens. This big this this Texas Tech team and no Texas Tech team in the next 10 years is going to go undefeated, right? There's going to be a loss somewhere on the on the on the schedule. It's fine, okay? This isn't a Big 12 loss. This is just the first loss of the season. Yeah, you're getting a lot of shit from other fan bases. Um, oh, wow, Texas Tech, you know, but we deserve it, right? Because all offseason was hype, 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 hype. Dark horse this, dark horse that, and then you lost to Wyoming. So you had your gut check. Now you get the chance to really respond. And so we'll see. And so if, if Shuck is playing bad at the half and we are down, down, then I expect to see Morton come in maybe after the first or second series out of the half. But, you know, if you make that change, I'm with you, Albie. If you make that change, then you need it needs to be Morton until he royally, like, loses it yeah, for sure. And I think Morton, if he does actually get a chance to get in, I think he's going to hustle. He's going to hustle hard. But kind of like our friends at Charlie Hustle. Uh, so Charlie Hustle Clothing Company, it is a vintage-inspired clothing company based out of Kansas City, right? Kansas City, friends of Texas Tech, friends of Pat Mahomes. Um, and they specialize in both collegiate and hometown apparel, hometown stuff. They want us to have the best-dressed fan this season. They want it to be a Texas Tech fan to be the best-dressed fan this season. So to be sure to check out their selection of licensed apparel, licensed Texas Tech apparel today, show off the school spirit all season. They have 30 other schools to choose from, but we don't care about any of them other schools. We only care about Texas Tech here. So, but, and they have us covered. Shop today at charliehustle.com. And you can use our promo code 101215, so that's T E N 1215, for 15% off of all of your non sale items. They're friends of Central Network, so we're friends of them. And again, promo code T E N 1215 to get 15% off of anything you buy. For charliehustle.com. So, Jeremy, I do want to mention one thing. I think a lot of people, I saw a lot of things before we get off here. I saw a lot of things of, oh, well, I never trust the Texas Tech anyway. Like, I'm not just talking about Texas Tech fans, I'm outside. I never trust the Texas Tech anyway. I never understood why they got this hype. I never got why they got this hype. Them losing to Wyoming wasn't a surprise. It wasn't a big deal. But one of the announcers from um, before the game actually predicted a Wyoming win. Like, it's, it's Texas Tech. Like, they don't. This one anyway, and well, he's a Texas alum also, so but I will say, <laughs> well, I will say this like, I think a lot of people don't understand why this loss. I think this loss is probably one of the worst regular season losses I can remember. In some time. Um, and a lot of people don't understand why it wasn't just like we've, we've lost, before. we've lost many times for the last hey man, for the last we've been decade. here. You've been. I want to give you a chance to say what what did this loss mean to you? You know, for me, man, looking at this, and I'm not. I mean, we said it in the preview. This easily can be a trap game, and I said, and I put it as the cold open. If our offensive line does not play well, throw the season out. And so, even with the you know going back and looking at it, it's not necessarily the offensive lines issue. Part of it was, and so here's 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 why this game. Here's why this loss kind of stands above the rest for me. Number one, this is your most like, this is, you had all the storylines coming together for this 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 season. Um, you have gotten, finally gotten a lot of the approval of media 
members across the, the, the world over, uh, across the United States, people who are buying into this Texas Tech, were finally seeming to crawl out of this Texas Tech sucks forever shell. And people are like, I don't know, Texas Tech may have it this year to challenge for the Big 12. Um, you're coming off of such incredible wins last season. You've built this culture. You've built this identity. You've built the brand. Um, and you go into this game and even like, hey, we're focusing on Wyoming. We're not looking at Oregon. We are doing the small things right to win this game and to get on to the next week. And we respect Wyoming and blah, blah, blah. And for three fabulous offensive drives, it feels like everything is coming together and the the, the, the light, the, the, the clouds are departing and you get a little bit of sunlight as a Texas Tech fan. And so seeing this squad have everything go for them and being incapable of handling success was the hardest part of this loss that you have. <clears throat> you finally have your destiny in your hands and you get to a 17-0 lead and then it all falls apart and nobody can seem to get it going and it just feels like we somehow took a massive step back backwards <laughs> and now it's like, Hang up the, you know, oh, Texas Tech is who we thought they were, blah, blah, blah. Now you, you finally had everybody looking at you, and you fumbled it. You know, you, you fumbled the bag. And so now people's preconceived notions about Texas Tech are just back in the forefront, and we're back where we started. And it feels like, and then everybody has, like, you know, we've lost before, but now everybody's turning against each other. And people are even like, well, Coach McGuire can't even coach. And everybody's, you know, we're back into that hellhole that is Tech fandom. And so this, even though this is the week one of the football season, you would have thought we lost a bowl game. It, 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 I don't know, man. It's just like the, the reaction, the fumbling the bag, like this was just the hardest loss for me in a long time because of everything you had going for you. Yeah, I, uh, so I'm not comparing these two by any stretch of the imagination. Whenever Beard left, Texas Tech, I, I said that it was the, the the reason for that being such a big deal wasn't just the fact that he left Tech, it was the fact that he left the Texas Tech. It was everything that he had been told our entire time since he played Texas Tech that he wasn't good enough to uh, have a coach like Beard and believe him or leave us for Texas was realized, right? He proved it, he proved it wrong. Right, by doing this, right? So everything that we've kind of come back and said that no, no, we're this is different, you actually do it right, right? All the basic things. Um, so that's the reason why that beard label for Texas hurt more than just a regular coach. Uh, this is in that same vein. This loss to Wyoming just proved everybody. I, the, the, the worst thing about this loss isn't that we were overrated. We were properly rated. I mentioned in the season preview. If you took an eight-win team from the year before, said the high majority of everybody's coming back, including the quarterback, the coaching staff, everybody, from defense, offense was all coming back. Not only would you say that that team is going to be a dark horse for the conference, you would actually predict them to be one of the better teams in the conference. Oklahoma is a six-win team and had the same thing and is already being vaulted in the top 20, right? And so it wasn't that we didn't deserve the hype. The problem with this loss is we did deserve the hype. The only reason why people say or were saying that we, we, uh, they didn't understand how we were getting hype in the first place is only one reason that we're Texas Tech. So losing this yeah. game, it was the it was the logo. It was the logo. And so losing this game 
just proved all the naysayers right. It just proved that, yeah, we don't care that they won eight games last year, that they, uh, everyone came back, and this, that, and the other. They don't have talent because they're Texas Tech. No other reason. And so that's why this loss hurts more than anything else. Because all the momentum that we had off the offseason, off everything, it was all valid and verified. It all made sense. Jeremy and I predicting nine win seasons. That was all, like nothing about that. If our, again, if our names was Oklahoma State, it was Michigan State, Florida State, any of these other teams that you're looking at as far as, as being like a, maybe not elite tier, but that second, that second third level down, you would have said, oh yeah, that makes sense. The only reason why you didn't think this for Tech was because we're Texas Tech. So losing at Wyoming just made all that realize. It just realized it all. It just it, it was just like, oh, okay, they're still typical tech. They're still typical tech. And that's why that loss hurt more than anything else. Right? If we beat Wyoming and lose to Oregon, I don't think we're feeling the same way. We're saying, oh, well, you know, we, we, we wish we would have come this, but, you know, we're still building blocks. There's still some things we got to do. But losing this game against Wyoming, all you're saying is typical tech. I will say, before we get out of here, Cody Campbell did put um, a lot of great things into perspective. Um, I'm not going to read the whole the whole quote there, but basically that you know he compared it to the team that he was on in 2004 that lost to New Mexico and they finished with an 84 record. And we're still building to still keep the faith in this team, and it was a very even keel response. It was a normal response, and, and I absolutely, actually, I very much agree with everything that he said. To be honest, I I, I agree that this isn't the end of the world. The sky isn't falling. This is still likely a bowl team. This is still a team that's going to. I mean, really, this means nothing when it comes to conference race. I mean, even if we were to lose to Oregon, it would mean nothing when it comes to conference race. Uh, but, so I agree with him in everything that he said, right? We still will probably go off. I, I think the only change in my prediction is to go from 93 to maybe 84, right? Like, I still think we'll have a good season. Uh, but it just, that, this loss, unless we rattle off something incredible this year, this loss does sting more than just your regular loss because it drastically halts all the momentum we have yeah, Texas Tech, we've been like vying for respect for a long time that has just been ridiculed by the sporting community at large. And so this was the moment you got closest to it. And now we have to sit in the, you know, real world all eating crow now. And that's really hard um, as a fan base. And the silver lining here is you can go out next weekend, this weekend, you can beat Oregon, and then everything changes again. Right. It's just, I mean, this was week one. It sucks. And this could, um, this could be a haunting thing for the rest of the season, but it very well may just be a fluke. It very well could just be a, hey, we were not prepared for the altitude. Uh, my playbook was small on purpose, but all these different things. We'll know come the Oregon game who this team is. You know, you get to be at home. You know, you, you get to be at home, first home season game, um, big time, big time ticket, right? They're going to be announcing it on game day, and you bet your butt that they're going to all pick Oregon, uh, but they all pick Texas whenever we play Texas too. So you never know. Um, I think this, that this could be a full reclam- reclamation project. This could be a full thing where Joey McGuire's like, "Hey man, remember when we lost to Wyoming and routed off the greatest season?" And t- like, you know, this could be the the beginning of a, a documentary. <laughs> yeah, it could be. You can lose, and here's the stupid thing: is that you can lose to Oregon, and you can lose to Tarleton State, and you can still win the Big Twelve. <laughs> so, okay. like, uh, it's just there's. A, I mean, we lose to Tarleton State. If you lose to Tarleton State, 
numbers wise, you can still win the Big I mean, Twelve. I guess. Um, you have it a <laughs> stupid record, and it would not make any sense at all. But like, there's a lot of one loss doesn't define your team. You can let it define your team, but you don't have to. You know, you know how we can have everyone forget about the Wyoming game. Beat Oregon. Beat Oregon. Well, no, beat Oregon, never, and then we'll, nobody cares. We'll, nobody will have to ever say anything about Wyoming for the rest of the season. You beat Oregon. It won't matter. Well, Oregon fans will disappear because what happened? You lost to a team that beat, lost to Wyoming. Yeah, exactly. So then nobody's going to be talking. Beat Oregon. Beat Oregon. <laughs> and then the week after that, we get to see if Wyoming can beat Texas. And, you know, maybe if they beat Texas, you never – I mean, just football is crazy, man. Yeah. Football is crazy. Absolutely. Anything else you want to say to the people? Uh, I think that pretty much summed it up. That was week one of Texas Tech football. It was abysmal. we got plenty of weeks left to go. And – Albert and I will continually be here to hype us up and then calm us down after we lose or calm us down after we win. But we'll be here the whole time. Um, I feel like we didn't calm anybody down after this episode. I have to be honest. <laughs> but No. <laughs> no. I don't even well, there's really so. We should all be pissed yeah, off. Everybody is so fired Carry that anger like, into the world. Right. right. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, but, yeah, no, it is week one. We all, oh, this is going to be such a long season. We have a long, long season ahead of us. But good news, Jeremy. Good news. At least we're not Baylor. I, I thank God for Baylor. Let me tell you something. Thank, thank God, God for Baylor. Because as bad as we feel right now, Bears fans got to be feeling worse. <laughs> they, they've got to. Lost at home. Oh, lost at home. Your head coach Duke, where? Yeah, Texas State. Texas State. Texas. Oh, man. That is, there's no excuse for that one. That was, you know. Actually, yeah. Baylor. Uh, TCU and Clemson were all bigger favorites than Texas Tech. So I appreciate all three of them for taking the edge off. You know? Um, you know so thank you guys. Like, like, nobody can laugh at Texas Tech without remembering, oh, but what about? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, so yeah. That's, that's fantastic. So I think thanks for all three of them, but especially Baylor. Like that's, that's the worst loss. Uh, they've already put their hat, thrown their hat in the ring for the worst loss of the season. So I, um, I respect that. So, uh, <laughs> for Jeremy, this is Albie, uh, the the biggest Texas State fans in the world right now. And you have been listening to the Tortillas and Takes podcast, part of the 1012 Network. As always, stay right here. Sports Social Podcast Network. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.